Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. From the Wall Street Journal, this is the future of everything. I'm Ariana Spuru. Today, we're bringing you a special episode all about weight loss drugs, what they do, how people are getting them, and what this all means for how we think about losing weight. Odds are you've seen an ad or an online post about a new kind of weight loss drug, and it can feel like these ads are everywhere. Here in New York, I see them all the time on the subway. But they're also on billboards along the highway, on TV, with a jingle that gets stuck in your head. And people are talking about these medications a lot. There's even a song about them. So they've become such a cultural moment. But aside from the huge buzz around these drugs, there's real evidence that they've been effective in helping some people lose weight. Doctors are recommending them to their patients, many of whom are seeing positive results. Before we get into it, it's important to say that there's a lot going on with these medications, and we're publishing new stories almost every day. We're not going to get into all of it here. So, what will we be doing? Telling you just how these main three drugs, Ozempic, Wagovi, and Manjaro, are changing how we think about weight loss. They fall under a class called GLP-1 drugs. We'll explain what that means, what we know about them, and get into how they work later on. To start off, I spoke with my colleague, Peter Loftus. He covers the pharmaceutical industry for The Wall Street Journal and has reported extensively on these drugs. He says that a lot of the buzz around the GLP-1 drugs is happening online, where people are posting and sharing information about them. Facebook support groups with with tens of thousands of members where people are discussing every aspect of their use of Ozempic, Wigovi, Manjaro. And I think that's that's what's really responsible for spreading a lot of the information about these drugs. I've been covering the pharmaceutical industry for more than 15 years, and I've, I've just never seen anything like that, where a single brand like that can generate such awareness. Peter has reported on the rise in popularity of these drugs, and he says it's unlike any other weight loss drugs that have come before. These drugs are game changers for a couple of reasons. One is the magnitude of the weight loss that you can get from taking these drugs is much bigger than the older than most of the older drugs, if not all of the older drugs. So there's three big medications in this space right now, and they're all a little similar, both in their ingredients and in how people take them. All taken once a week by doctor-prescribed injections. First, let's talk about Ozempic. Ozempic. It's made by the company Novo Nordisk. Right now, Ozempic is approved by the Food and Drug Administration to treat type 2 diabetes. But it's gained popularity for off-label uses, which include weight loss. But there's another drug by Novo Nordisk that's FDA-approved for weight loss. It's called Wagovi. It has the same active ingredient as Ozempic, but a different brand name. And then there's the new kid on the block, Manjaro. It's made by the company Eli Lilly and is similar to Novo Nordisk's medications. But research has shown that it may be more effective at helping people lose weight. Similar to Ozempic and Wagovi, Manjaro increases the production of GLP-1, a gut hormone. But it also boosts the production of another gut hormone called GIP, which can suppress appetite even further. 
Here's WSJ's Peter Loftus again. These do appear to be effective new drugs and relatively safe drugs for, for a chronic condition that's, that's a big public health concern and something that people might have to take chronically, like many people do for statins and even blood pressure medications. In studies, Wagovi helped people lose up to about 17% of their body weight, while Manjaro helped people lose up to about 22.5% of their weight on average. The website for Wagovi says it may help adults with obesity or people who are overweight with weight-related problems, while Manjaro and Ozempic sites both say the medication is for adults with type 2 diabetes. An FDA approval for Manjaro to be used for weight loss is expected later this year. But once a drug is approved for any use, doctors can prescribe it as they see fit. That's why some people looking to lose weight are being prescribed Ozempic, even though it's a diabetes medication. So what exactly do these drugs do in the body that leads to such dramatic weight loss? Remember when I said these medications fall into a class of drugs called GLP-1? Well, they all mimic the effects of that naturally occurring gut hormone, glucagon-like peptide 1. Your body releases that hormone when you eat, and it tells your brain and certain organs to take action. Kind of like an email or a text message from your stomach telling your pancreas to create more insulin and your liver to release less glucose. That's why these medications work for treating type 2 diabetes. But they also change how hungry you feel. Dr. Disha Narang is an endocrinologist and obesity and culinary medicine specialist at Northwestern Medicine Lake Forest Hospital, just north of Chicago. She's also the director of obesity medicine at the hospital and previously sat on an advisory board for Novo Nordisk. She explained what this medication does in the body. It works at the level of the brain and the level of the gut. So at the level of the gut, the medication slows down gastric emptying. So it slows down the way our stomach empties into our gut. So that means for people on these drugs, it takes longer for food to get from the stomach to the rest of the digestive tract. And she says that leads to patients feeling fuller, faster than usual. And then, you know, more simplistically stated, it also works at the level of the brain where it interacts with our appetite center and it, it suppresses our hunger hormone. And so what patients will often say is that, you know, that chatter or that mental chatter, you know, where they're always thinking about food or various cravings really gets wiped out. When someone tries to lose weight on their own with lifestyle changes, Dr. Narang says that there's a point where the weight loss plateaus and it's difficult to keep the weight off. Our hunger hormone starts to go up again because your body really wants to get back to its earlier, more comfortable state. And so when that happens, it's really hard to keep weight off because that suppression is no longer there. And so what this medication does is let's say you've lost, you know, 50 pounds the medication keeps that hunger hormone level suppressed so that that hunger does not go all the way up and then, you know, somebody's not regaining all that weight. But Dr. Narang says that lifestyle choices still matter. You still need to maintain a healthy diet and exercise regularly, along with the weight loss medications. When we see true success and, and long-term weight loss and long-term weight maintenance, that's when lifestyle and medication get married. And so it's not one or the other, it's both together for long-term success. But that long-term success comes with some caveats. Some research has shown that patients have regained weight after stopping the medication, but this hasn't been studied enough to say for sure. 
And there are side effects. Side effects include nausea, vomiting, constipation, stomach pain, headache, tiredness, upset stomach, dizziness, feeling bloated, belching, nausea, gas. vomiting, and diarrhea may lead to dehydration, which may worsen. For the most common side effect, nausea, one study found that 44% of patients taking Wagovi experienced it. And another study reported that 31% of people taking the highest dose of Manjaro for weight loss also experienced nausea. But these symptoms can lessen over time. Aside from those stomach and intestinal issues, some people have experienced things like burps that smell like sulfur. And since these drugs can mimic a gut hormone that has receptors in the brain, some people have even reported having bizarre dreams. And there are questions about longer-term side effects. Other weight loss treatments, touted as miracle cures, have had some serious issues. These drugs haven't been tested long-term for weight loss, but this type of medication has been on the market for over a decade to treat diabetes. And Dr. Disha Narang says she hasn't seen red flags in her patients yet. Our patients with diabetes have been using these medications for years now. Um, you know, they've been able to keep their blood sugars under decent control. They've been able to keep their weight um, maintained as well. Uh, and so far, so good, actually. We haven't necessarily seen long-term side effects of these medications. The companies say these medications are safe and effective. The bigger issue, according to some doctors, actually isn't the side effects. It's the cost. These drugs come with a big price tag. We'll get into the money behind one of the biggest pharmaceutical moments in history and who's paying for it after the break. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Robert Half is here to help. Our recruiting professionals utilize our proprietary AI to connect businesses with highly skilled talent. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The medications Ozempic, Wegovy, and Manjaro are skyrocketing in popularity, and they all fall into a class called GLP-1 drugs and mimic a gut hormone in the body, resulting in weight loss. The often dramatic results are driving a lot of buzz and even changing how we talk about losing weight. And that means lots of people want to get their hands on them. But there's a big hurdle doctors and patients are facing. The cost. The list price for a one-month supply can cost anywhere between $900 and just over $1,300. And because patients need to take it potentially for many years, that can add up, especially for patients without insurance or with limited coverage. Many times, a person's insurance plan is negotiated by their employer, who ultimately is the one that decides which medicines or treatments are covered. Anna Matthews reports on health insurance for The Wall Street Journal and says that with the big price tag that these medications come with, not all employers are on board. The employers are worried that not only could this be a significant expense per person and a lot of people could be eligible, but it could be an ongoing expense because the drugs typically need to be taken for maintenance uh, for months, uh, years, potentially even permanently for people to keep that weight loss accomplishment going. Some employers don't cover these medications for weight loss, so they wouldn't cover Wagovi. But they may cover Ozempic or Monjaro, only when someone's taking it for diabetes. So what you'll often find is companies are covering it if you have diabetes for that use. 
and they are not necessarily covering it if you're seeking it out for weight loss because it's not currently approved by the FDA for weight loss. And for the drug approved for weight loss, according to the benefits consultant Willis Towers Watson, a typical employer's drug spending could increase by more than 50% if half of the employees who meet the medical criteria to take Wagovi were to take it. Eligibility is based on the FDA indication for obesity, which for adults is a body mass index over 30. For people enrolled in government health insurance like Medicare, some of these drugs are covered for type 2 diabetes, but again, not for weight loss use. For Medicaid, another government health insurance, it depends. But in some states, it does cover weight loss medication. Adding coverage for these weight loss drugs could mean a hefty price tag for taxpayers. Researchers at Vanderbilt University and the University of Chicago estimate that if just 10% of people on Medicare with obesity started taking Wigovi, it could cost nearly $27 billion per year. For context, Medicare drug spending was $98 billion in 2021. So covering this one drug could boost Medicare prescription costs by nearly a third. And taxpayers would pick up much of the bill. Still, patient advocates and drug companies have been pushing Congress for Medicare coverage, arguing that paying for these medications would reduce other health care costs. So that's actually sort of a lobbying fight that's going on right now. Advocates argue that the Medicare program should cover drugs for weight loss, that it's a medical condition, that's now increasingly a treatable medical condition. So beyond the high costs, Anna Matthew says that the stigma around weight has strongly influenced insurance coverage over the years. Historically, you would see insurers and employers call weight loss a, and I'm going to put air quotes around this, a cosmetic category. So it was more maybe considered akin to covering a drug for, you know, hair loss or something. Many doctors and clinicians consider obesity a medical condition. In fact, a decade ago, the American Medical Association recognized obesity as a disease. The standard measure is a body mass index greater than 30, though some doctors and the AMA itself take issue with that being the deciding factor. And Anna says the drug's proven effectiveness could potentially shift how insurers and employers view weight loss overall and pay for the medications that treat it. As that thinking among physicians has evolved, the thinking among employers and insurers is uh, starting to evolve or is maybe going to have to evolve, and the thinking among patients as well. So again, it's not a typical thing for a health condition, a major health condition, to not have effective treatments for it covered. So this is an interesting and and maybe different dynamic that we're going to see play out. Dr. Kimberly Gajuni is the medical director for the American Board of Obesity Medicine and teaches and sees patients at Johns Hopkins. She also sits on the advisory board for Novo Nordisk and Eli Lilly and has a research grant with Novo Nordisk. She's based in Maryland, where the proximity to Washington, D.C. means that there are a lot of federal workers. Dr. Gajuni says they've benefited from the recent changes to their insurance coverage. Starting in January, um, federal employees had an expanded benefit to cover anti-obesity medications, which has been really revolutionary to my practice. And so for those patients that do have coverage of not just one medication, but multiple medications, it allows us to make a choice based on what is actually hopefully going to be the best fit for them rather than relying upon drivers of affordability. 
Dr. Gajuni says other patients have to navigate differences between insurance coverage. And as with many drugs, some are covered and some aren't. Your insurance company will cover either none of the medications or it'll cover just this one. (laughs) And then patients are left to make a decision of, do I pay for this out of pocket? How do I make this affordable? For insurers, adding a new drug to their plan can come down to what employers agree to. David Brailer, the chief health officer of Cigna Group, told the Wall Street Journal earlier this year that employers are being cautious due to the, quote, long, complicated history with weight management drugs. Novo Nordis said that it advocates for policies that include coverage for these anti-obesity medications. And Eli Lilly said that having these treatments covered by insurance would be, quote, in line with today's medical understanding of obesity. For patients that can't afford these medications, WSJ's Anna Matthews says they can take advantage of financial help from Novo Nordisk and Eli Lilly. If your insurance doesn't cover it, there are some programs that the the drug companies um, have that might help you, but typically they're somewhat limited. The programs typically cover some of the out-of-pocket costs for people with insurance, bringing them down to less than $25 a month. But for those without insurance or those with insurance plans that don't cover these medications, the assistance programs can be more limited. Novo Nordis, for example, provides a discount of $500 off the retail price of Wagovi. That medication can cost upwards of $1,300 a month. Eli Lilly has capped its assistance for Monjaro at $575 a month, or about half of the drug's $1,000 price tag. So it's something definitely worth looking into for patients, but they probably should be aware that those programs are are limited and they're likely to still face considerable expense for the drugs. Despite the big cost for these drugs, they continue to be in high demand, extremely high demand. So much so that Novo Nordisk, the maker of Ozempic and Wagovi, temporarily urged doctors to limit prescriptions for Wagovi late last year. The company said it underestimated demand and faced production issues with the contract manufacturer. It anticipates that many people may have difficulty filling some Wagovi prescriptions at certain doses through September of this year, and says it plans to create a, quote, more steady level of inventory despite supply constraints. To avoid boosting demand even further, Novo Nordisk said it's actually pausing some promotional efforts for Wagovi. At this point, the demand is off the charts for all these products. That's Evan Siegerman. He's a managing director and senior research analyst at BMO Capital Markets. Evan has covered biotechnology and the pharmaceutical industry for the last decade. And he says these medications are currently the hottest ticket. He says the drugs could see unprecedented sales, beating out the likes of past blockbuster drugs, like Merck's cancer drug, Keytruda. It saw over $20 billion in sales last year. My broader market for these GLP-1 drugs is likely over $100 billion, and that's globally. So there's a lot of potential, you know, economic benefit for these companies by selling these drugs. He anticipates Eli Lilly will be able to work with insurance companies to get the newest entry, Manjaro, covered. One of the things that I do remind my investor clients is that Lilly has been working with these payers for years in, you know, get contracting for obesity drugs. So they have the relationships. And I'm assuming that they'll be able to figure out a way that's, you know, gives them maximum access, doesn't break the healthcare system, and gets patients access. 
Eli Lilly CEO Dave Ricks told an earnings call in April that he believes spending on these drugs now will cut costs down the road. I think even in the most rosy forecast, we're not going to sell a trillion dollars of of obesity drugs. So um, the question is more of like, over time, can we demonstrate that uh, treatment today reduces costs downstream? We're highly confident that that will be a multiple of five, ten times savings um, for whatever people invest in the medicines. And as analysts keep an eye on how this market grows, Clinicians like Kimberly Gajuni at Johns Hopkins are excited by the possibility for more options for her patients. It's really just giving us different tools in the toolbox um, to really meet the different patient needs because obesity is not just a simple disease. It's really complex. And so the more options we have, the better chance we will actually have a solution for each person that needs treatment. With these weight loss drugs headed to become a multi-billion dollar industry, companies, old and new, are rushing in to get in on the action. But what does that mean for patients? And how will the expansion of these weight loss medications shift the way that people view obesity? More on that after the break. Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Each week, we bring you stock market outlooks, macroeconomic updates, and investment strategies that can help you succeed. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience about how they navigate uncertain markets. Prepare to be engaged, enlightened, and entertained by listening to the Capital Ideas Podcast today. The wave of advertising, social media posts, and just chatter around Ozempic, Wagovi, and Manjaro has put a spotlight on how we think about obesity and weight loss. But it's also shifting the market, with more and more companies trying to get in on the weight loss drug industry. One notable company, new to the world of weight loss drugs, but not to the world of weight loss, is Weight Watchers. The company, officially known as WW International, says it has over 4 million members worldwide through a model that has taught people how to lose weight by counting points. Weight Watchers recently purchased the digital health company Sequence for $106 million. Sequence offers telehealth services, including giving some patients access to drugs like Ozempic and Wagovi without having to visit a doctor's office. WW CEO Seema Sistani spoke about the purchase last March at WSJ's Job Summit. With these medications, it's allowing people to actually follow the behavior change recommendations that are necessary. And the the science was pushing forward. And also, frankly, we are changing. We are transforming alongside of it. WSJ's Peter Loftus, who covers pharmaceuticals, says Weight Watchers isn't the only company rethinking how it should approach weight loss. The GLP-1 drugs are disruptive to the to the weight loss industry in the sense that by being able to deliver such a magnitude of weight loss, the GLP-1 drugs, pretty reliably to many of the people who take them, it's really sort of exposing that diet and exercise aren't always a reliable path to take for people who have obesity. Dr. Disha Narang says she's seen that firsthand in her practice. She's an endocrinologist at Northwestern Medicine Lake Forest Hospital, just north of Chicago. 
and says she's seen a change in the way people think about losing weight. You know, the secret behind all of this is that there's no fancy diet here. And unfortunately, people have spent so much money, you know, trying to do all of these fancy diets and cleanses and things like that. And, and truly, the diet that works is the one that someone can sustain the longest. Although these drugs have shown to be effective so far, they still require long-term commitments, which she tells her patients. We don't have a magic wand for, for weight. It's not something that you take for a month, you know, to be red carpet ready or, or something like that. It's not necessarily meant for those purposes. But at the end of the day, yes, this is just a resource to weight loss, just like anything else. A constant, you know, long-term counseling, long-term routine, consistency is really going to play a part um, in weight maintenance. And if patients have to take these drugs long-term, it opens up an opportunity for other drug makers to gain part of that market. The journal's Peter Loftus says biotech companies like Pfizer and Amgen are already in development for weight loss drugs of their own. If they can successfully test and develop them and get them to market, they're going to look for ways to so that they don't look like just copycats of Manjaro, Ozempic, Wigovi. And it could be pill formulations, it could be even potentially a less frequent injection, like maybe once a month. Because of the way the body processes these medications, creating a pill form is tricky. But if researchers can pull it off, the tablets could open up access to people who are afraid of needles. And the price tag could be hundreds of dollars less than the injectable form. Novo Nordisk plans to ask U.S. and European drug regulators to approve a tablet containing the main ingredient in Ozempic and Wegovy later this year. Some places are even offering their own versions of these drugs. Novo Nordisk recently sued some medical spas and clinics, alleging that the companies were selling custom-made formulations of some of these medications and claiming that the drugs were ozempic. The companies deny that. But as more people try to get their hands on these drugs, there's also been a rush of digital health startups offering prescriptions through telemedicine. So services, basically, where people can interact with a doctor or another healthcare professional virtually by video and not necessarily see anybody in person. And those have kind of exploded in the past year or so. And Peter says, beyond the potential gold rush for drug companies and telehealth providers, there could be a long-term reduction in health costs overall. It's too early to know how this is all gonna play out, but with these drugs, there's at least the potential that over time, by helping more people lose a lot of weight, that there could be a reduction in some of the complications of obesity over time, like heart disease, and that that could end up having uh, positive effects on, on health economics and on things like how much people pay for premiums for insurance or how much out-of-pocket costs there are. Dr. Kimberly Gajuni, the medical director for the American Board of Obesity Medicine, says it's not just patients embracing these shifts. Now more physicians are sort of opening their eyes to being, oh, oh, this is something I, I, I do have options to actually treat instead of thinking it's this hopeless, you know, why bother? Um, and so I think that that's an exciting time to actually be able to have those conversations and really make positive differences in people's lives. And so by the popularity of these medications and having so much in the press, it has really 
opens, I think, the door for people realizing, oh, hey, (laughs) this isn't just a willpower issue. In the past, much of the dialogue around losing weight and addressing obesity has been around selling workout classes, lifestyle plans, or diets to address something that's largely been seen as a lifestyle choice. But with these weight loss medications, more research, and increased accessibility to drugs like Ozempic, Wegovy, and Manjaro, Dr. Kajuni says that may be changing. These are treating a chronic condition. And sometimes I have to say that over and over again because it is, again, a paradigm shift for how not only most of the public has thought about obesity, but most of the medical field. Um, And we've just learned so much, and so we need to start thinking about it differently. The Future of Everything is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Stephanie Ilgenfritz is the editorial director of The Future of Everything. This episode was reported and produced by me, Ariana Spuru, and Jess Jupiter. Michael Laval and Jessica Fenton are our sound designers and wrote our theme music. Scott Salloway is our supervising producer. Editorial support was provided by Falana Patterson. Like the show? Tell your friends and leave us a five-star review on your favorite platform. Thanks for listening. Enter a revolutionary business world where AI meets power with Intel Core Ultra and Intel vPro. Imagine PCs that boost productivity, creativity, and collaboration with cutting-edge AI. They're gateways to innovation, engineered with powerful AI performance, hardware-based security, and AI-powered threat detection. Plus, they're built sustainably and can be managed remotely. Transform your workflow with Intel Core Ultra and Intel vPro today. No product can be absolutely secure. Become an IT hero at intel.com slash ITHeroes.